TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, St. Louis. Thank you for this little gem here for this next hour. All right. So there was a bill that was introduced Friday uh, by Alderman Megan Green and Alderwoman Alicia Sonnier or Sonnier of Tower Grove East arguing that the homeless should have an exception to a particular rule that the rest of us have to follow. (laughs) And that's really, I think that's the biggest problem with this idea. We can talk about some of this just because of the way Mm -hmm. that that it looks. And on the the surface of it, it looks pretty gross, honestly. But uh, yeah, what they're talking about doing is decriminalizing urinating in public if you're homeless. I have questions. Uh-huh. My first suspicion about this is, don't you think then that anyone who urinates in public is going to claim to be homeless so that they can get out of being punished for this rule? Yeah. Yes, maybe. <laughs> Although it's pretty easy to prove that you're not. I mean, you'd have to show an ID and stuff to prove that you're not. Which is going to have your address on it. Sure. Right. My next question is, I am waiting for the screaming to happen on the phone or on the text line from those of you who every time we talk about the sex offender registry make a point that urinating in public is one of the things that gets you on that registry and that now the homeless would not be subject to it this is a place where we could have that conversation yeah and and like i said i mean there even though on the surface of it there would seem not to be that uh, there really is a lot to talk about here because what the alderman who who floated this uh, alluded to was that it's being used to target and harass the homeless, that the cops are using this as a way to go after them. And, okay, maybe that's the case, but if you don't want that to happen, don't pee in public. And then you won't have to worry about it. it uh, your restaurants don't want them inside. And mm-hmm. the alderman also said, look, there isn't, there's, there's no public toilets around here. So uh, the, what the, the opponents on the St. Louis Board of Aldermen are saying is, well, go to the shelters. They have bathrooms. Go to the shelters and do it there. But you're not always right next to one. And I think, um, yeah, we don't have a lot of shelters. We have a lot of homeless people that live in areas that are nowhere near shelters to which I say, if it was that easy for them to just go pee at the shelters, they would just go stay at the shelters. Sure. And you also have restaurants and other businesses that have bathrooms that don't want them in there. Right. Because yeah. it looks bad. I mean, and so they, they, they don't want them in there you, you know, just using the bathroom so they don't let them. And then, again, you've got the same problem. But really, there's a practical matter involved in this, too. And it's the one that I think gets lost in the... 
uh, the, the emotion of this. So people going, you're going to let homeless people pee all over the city? Ew, gross. Okay, yes, but if I mean, what are you going to do to them? I mean, if it's kept yeah. illegal, what are you going to do? Fine them? They don't have anything. And on the other hand, put them in jail. Okay, great. So now we're paying for housing them because they peed in public. And and while nobody wants to be the first one to say, we should make it okay to pee in public. Honestly, my biggest problem with this is the fact that they're, they're offering a special exception if you're homeless. Why? Right. Uh, because Mardi Gras came up too. Um, every year, St. Louis has a Mardi Gras that draws somewhere between 300,000 and a half a million people. I mean, it's, it's giant. And that's the one every year that pops people time after time after time who are not homeless for peeing in public. So we're going to keep punishing them, but we're not going to punish the homeless people simply because they don't have a home. I'm all over the place about this one. So forgive me for a second. If I just throw up, throw out a bunch of points that don't make sense. On one hand, I think we talk a lot about how the threat of punishment for a crime is generally not enough to make someone not do it. So part of me thinks if you're going to pee in public, you're going to pee in public regardless of whether it's illegal or not. So you're just you're just going to wait and see if you're caught. And so I ask then, are police unfairly targeting the homeless for peeing in public instead of not the homeless? And if so, why? Because to your point, all you're going to do is give them a ticket they can't pay or take up room in jails that are overcrowded anyway. And that's yeah, that part of the argument, by the way, one of the opponents to doing this uh, on the board of aldermen said, hey, if cops are using this to harass the homeless, I want to see that. I want to see those numbers. So that gauntlet has already been laid down of if you're going to make the case that it's happening, show me that it's happening. Show me that an inordinate number of tickets are written or citations are written uh, against homeless people in St. Louis for this, where everybody else gets a pass. So then to the idea that just decriminalize it for everyone, I ask if you do that, are you going to have a much higher number of people? And let's just, it's mostly men that do this. Um, it's a little but are easier you gonna, for us. Yeah. Right. It, it just is. We, we just are more inclined to not do that. Um, are you going to have a dramatic increase in the number of people doing it if you make it not illegal anymore? Yeah, and, and there's there's one more point to be made about this in that what they're saying in coming up with this ordinance is that this is going to be the solution uh, you know, to, to that problem. But why? nobody bothers to float, okay, if the reason why they're urinating in public so much is because there aren't any public toilets, let's build some public toilets. Which was my next point. Yeah. It, especially if, if it's a bigger problem at places like Mardi Gras. Yeah. Put more bathrooms into those big public events. Right. Yeah. Go now Tower Grove, uh, just to do a little geography, Soulard, where Mardi Gras is, is directly south of downtown. Obviously, okay. there's, there's nothing east of downtown because the river's there. But Soulard is right, uh, right south of downtown, and that's where uh, all the Mardi Gras stuff is, is centered. Tower Grove is a little farther west from there, but not much. So, you're, again, you're talking just west of the downtown area. And it's uh, generally younger. Um, a, it's not wealthy. It's weird. I mean, Tower Grove is kind of one of those uh, funky, artsy kind of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And it's not cheap to live there, but it's also not where the money is centered. That's Central West End. So uh, why 
Tower Grove is necessarily the center for all of this. I'm not sure. It's not like the homeless problem in Tower Grove is any worse than it is anywhere else around the downtown area. I'm going to make a delicate point that someone's making on the text line um, <laughs> that uh, what do you do about number two? <laughs> yeah, it's a valid point, uh, and I don't know. Um, that seems to, to be the kind of thing that doesn't, I mean, just over the course of a day, you don't do that mm-hmm. anywhere near as often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I really, I don't know is the answer to that. Uh, and maybe that is the kind of thing that, you know, you wait until nighttime when you go back to the shelter. So I assume the reason that cities are not putting in more public restrooms is money. I assume it is cheaper to just not ticket people who urinate in public, particularly homeless people, than it is to build and maintain and keep clean more public restrooms. Because I suspect the other thing you'll start to have then is, particularly if you put in more porta potties or more, not like single use, but like single room, is you're going to have people living in them. You're, you're going to start to have people that will just camp out in them and lock them. Yeah, well, and, and that's really going back to the, the beginning of the conversation. That's the problem that a lot of the restaurants and other businesses have with them is that you're not just going in and using the bathroom. You're brushing your teeth and washing your face and doing all of this stuff, and they don't want you in there for a half an hour. They want their patrons to be able to use that bathroom too. And, I mean, it, it seems harsh, but on those, on that level, you can't really blame them for that. Right. So then I ask, okay, can, is there grant funding available from somewhere to create spaces that are safe and well-lit and not creepy that are situated in various points around cities that aren't just bathrooms, but are showers for the homeless that frankly don't care if they have, like they're fine living on the street, but they at least want to shower for a job interview or for, for whatever the thing is, what would it take to put in like locker rooms around the city money and you're talking about right. and and that's this is where the politics of it comes in not in a right-wing left-wing democrat republican thing but just the politics of the whole thing which is you're talking about spending money to benefit people who don't largely pay taxes and probably yes. don't vote yes but we pay for homeless shelters oh yeah we do that well because that is something that's demanded by the people who live around the areas who, who say okay. the, the ones who do pay taxes and the ones who do vote, they go to their aldermen and say, get these people off the street. I don't want to see them anymore. So that's what we need to have happen then. Yeah. We need the business owners or whomever who who is being negatively affected the most by the homeless peeing in public. We need them to then say, go to cities and say, because it just pains me. Like this just seems like a basic human need that we should be trying to meet as a society. And, and yes, the biggest challenge is you're going to like, you're going to have to give security then, and you're going to have to have somebody there to make sure that like bad things aren't happening in them and, and all this kind of stuff. And they're going to have to be kept clean because that's going to be difficult, but it just seems like it's a good thing to have anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's not for the homeless, it's a good thing to kind of have anyway. Well, yeah. And, and as you were kind of alluding to a minute ago, if you want that path out of homelessness, if you're able to do that, if, if you don't have other obstacles standing in your way, mental health problems and things like that, and you're able to write yourself, it's going to be a lot easier to do that. If you don't walk into a job interview smelling. And put um, uh, outlets for people to charge devices. I mean, for the same thing, because you need to be able to get a phone call if you're applying for jobs. I mean, this is where, 
it overwhelms me to even get through my head what it's like to be homeless. I, I just, I'm thinking of all these details of like, we can't give them a home, but can we do yeah, other stuff? Right. Uh, and, and somebody else just mentioned uh, on the text line, I wish churches would step up and serve some of these communities. A lot of them do, but especially when you get into the downtown area uh, in St. Louis, there's not that many because there's no population center. So you're not going to see a lot of the churches that were there 15, 20, 30 years ago have left or folded because they just don't have the the number of people there to serve anymore. So it's a uh, it's an urban core problem that has so many different facets to it that it's hard to look to one thing. But yes, there, there are churches and there are organizations. I'm trying to remember what the, uh, it's not St. Vincent de Paul, there is a there's a, a giant homeless shelter in downtown St. Louis that is faith based, and I just cannot pull the name of it out of my memory banks. Um, but they can't do everything. Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. So coming back to the idea of, do you just not ticket them? Do you just if you are homeless, we don't ticket you for peeing in public? How do we feel about that? We'll take a break. We'll get to your comments on this next on KMBZ. Phone number 913-586-7798. In St. Louis, they are considering decriminalizing for the homeless urinating in public. We went through all the pros and cons of this. It is way more complicated than it might seem. Yes, because on the surface of it, it sounds like that's crazy. And and by the way, that's also part of why this is being done, so that it's going to get people talking about it. And, and even if the initial reaction is that sounds crazy, then it doesn't matter. At least it starts the conversation. So there's a little bit of that going on, too. We'll go to Paul in Independence. It's you, Paul. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, Paul. You know, here's my theory on it, and it, it might seem seem kind of tough, but in areas like downtown and around courts and stuff like that, I think you should just find out, you know, hey, what, why are they hanging out there? And then once you find out, you get them away from that area and, uh, same thing with like the corners, you know. Don't let them work those corners and uh, beg for money. We're making it way too easy for these people to be homeless. We need to harass them a little bit and get them, you know, out of these areas where it's a business industry or something like that. And tell them, hey, you know, you can't be loitering, you can't be uh, begging for money, and move on, you know. Well, the Supreme and, uh, Court already said begging is protected. It's, it's free speech. Uh, but but is, you think it's easy to be homeless? It's too easy. It, it, and it's just like being out of work. It's too easy because we offer unemployment. We let them be out of work. And then we don't even really give them anything to, to look, you know, work towards to get off of unemployment. And to get back a job. I'm going to leave the unemployment part out of this for a second because um, how much people make on unemployment differs from person to person. But I want to come back to the idea of it being easy to be homeless. I, that that life doesn't seem easy to me. It is, it is easy. Because Have you done it? I've heard people that just go up there and clean up on those corners. And then, then we'll build them houses, little tiny homes, and 
I mean, you know, you can close down uh, Bartle Hall and give them Bartle Hall. Yeah, we haven't done I that mean, in a while. I, uh, I would say if you think it's easy, try it. Um, uh, but, uh, Paul, I, I appreciate the call. I <laughs> I never thought I would hear somebody say we're making it too easy on the homeless. Um, I, I mean, when you, you know, you, well, move them away from there. Where? <laughs> move them where? I mean, that seems to be the big problem, right, is that nobody can figure out where is a good spot. Um, if, if somebody can't afford a place to live and they have no other options, they're going to be on the street. And as we said before, St. Patrick's Center was the shelter I couldn't oh, remember mm-hmm. before. It was right across the street from where I used to work. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's only so much they can do. There are only so many beds they have. There's only so many resources they have. But, um, I, I, yeah, you, you can't just start harassing somebody because they don't have a place to live. And it's not illegal Yeah, to be homeless. So we'll keep going. <laughs> How about Ash, uh, Alex, rather, in KCK? Hello, Alex. Hey, good, uh, good, good afternoon now. Uh, okay, so I'm going to be succinct. I've experienced homelessness. It was not fun. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it seems like I'm getting old, but anyhow. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're uh, in good company, man. Thanks. You, you know, uh, people are not pariahs uh, by choice. They're not doing that because they think that, you know, they're entitled to doing it because it's their last desperate hope that somebody might help them, you know, and it's disappointing to hear someone say, it's too easy. Mm-hmm. Try it. Yeah. As you guys said, it's not easy. I finally found out I was, I was homeless for three months and the only place I could find to shower was out in Olathe in the fire department shower room in the courthouse. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And that was it. That was the only place. And, uh, you know, yeah. I finally got some help. And, uh, but the, the, the thing that's bugging me about this, too, is, you know, there's a homeless camp down by where I live. And I live in a nice neighborhood, but there's a homeless camp down there. We know they're down there. They don't have any stuff to, you know, they don't have outdoor they don't have any place to go. I mean, there's no showers. I mean, where, what do we do when it's winter? Um, do we say, oh, too bad, you know, we made it so easy for you. Um, it's disappointing, you know. We're, we we need to be more humanistic and understanding, and not everybody is a crook. Right. Well, and we keep closing the doors off, as I'm sure you're well aware. Alex, yeah, yeah thank you for the call. And that that's the thing. You say, okay, don't pee outside. Okay, let me go pee in this building. No, you can't do that either. All right. right. Uh, it's a biological function. It's kind of a necessary one. You're going to have to go somewhere, but nobody seems to be stepping up and going, okay, you can come in and pee here. So, Just don't exist. Right. I mean, that's and what it that's, comes down to. Just exactly, don't Exactly. Exactly right. And uh, you know, it's funny because I've heard that trope, too, about, you know, those guys that are out there begging on the, on the street corners. Do you know how much money they make? And I've never heard any of the people who say that volunteer to go join them. Hey, you know what? If it's that easy a life and they're making that much bank, go do it. We have callers on hold. Candace, Shirley, hang in here with us. We'll get to all your calls next on KMBZ. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 913-586-7798. So in the city of St. Louis, there is a proposal on the table that would decriminalize for the homeless peeing in public. Um, it's got us into a bigger conversation about the problem with that. Should they do decriminalize it for everybody? And I just want to talk more about creating the facilities in public places, not just for the homeless, but for anybody who needs them. Yeah. Another thing about this, by the way, is they don't say where in public. Are we talking like out on the sidewalk in front of everybody? Because it seems like that could be a bigger problem as well. So, yeah, I mean, just all kinds of, as we said, all kinds of facets to this one and no real clear answer. But that's why we have Shirley in Blue Springs. Hello, Shirley. Hey, good morning. Afternoon. Sorry, it's after 12. (laughs) (laughs) We won't hold your feet to the fire on it. Shirley, what's on your mind? Uh, So... Okay, a few things. Um, I, I just was thinking while I was listening to your show, and thank you so much for having me because I really enjoy it. Thank you. I listen to it on the road. I listen to it everywhere I go. Thank you. Long story short, so I've done five or six breast cancer walks where you walk 60 days, 60 miles in three days, and they have mobile showers, and they have porta-potties. They have, you know, lots of options. Also, I was at a big box warehouse store the other day, and their restrooms are under construction. And they have mobile restrooms in front of the store. So I'm wondering why that can't be an option for homeless people. They're bringing, not trying to get political, but all these people from other places, why they can't take care of the people that are actually living here and mm-hmm. are on hard times where there's, I mean, Tide, because it's all over the news, does mobile washing, laundry, you have restrooms, you have showers. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, just wondering why it can't be an option for the people that actually live here all right. and are falling on hard times. Surely, thank you. Um, yeah, th- that was something that was brought up uh, in, in one of the group chats that I'm kind of following while the show is on about uh, laundromats, that a lot of the times those are places that generally are open 24 hours a day and uh-huh. usually have a bathroom and so that, uh, and, and you know, a pretty big laundry sink too. So even yeah. if you don't necessarily have money for the coin ops, you can still wash clothes and things like that. Um, 
Um, and, and so that's, again, going to be part of the solution. But as more people move away from the downtown areas, there are going to be fewer and fewer laundromats in the area where the homeless people are concentrated. What she said about the porta potties and things like that, that's come up a number of times on the text line. And upkeep then becomes yeah. an issue. How do you make sure that they they aren't you know wrecked or that they stay clean? I mean, porta potties don't clean themselves, neither do regular bathrooms for that matter. And I get that the permanent bathrooms are going to require more maintenance and more money to build, but you can't just knock them over then. <laughs> you know, yeah. porta potties you can just kind of knock over or whatever. Sure. Build a permanent facility, which again we need anyway. Um just for people that are just, you know, you go to work in the morning and then you're out and about for the day and you're not, we, we kind of need that, especially as we want people to bike places and walk places more. You got to have those facilities. And it is more than just building the facility. Cause like we said, I mean, they're going to have to be staffed. So it's not just even the initial expense of building it. You've got to have people who are going to clean them and people who are going to watch them and make sure that they're secure. So it is, it's, <laughs> there is no easy solution, and this seems to be the only one that's not going to cost any money. That doesn't necessarily mean that people around there are going to want people peeing in public. Candace Admission is up next with us. Hi, Candace. Hi, guys. Really interesting conversation. Um, I used to work in downtown Seattle, and it was not illegal to pee in public, and I can tell you this is not something that St. Louis <laughs> wants to have. Tell us, yeah. Uh, it's it's horrible. It's gross. Um, I don't think this is really a homeless problem. I think this is an infrastructure problem. Just like you guys have said, this is a human need. And as a female who is extremely disinclined to pee in an alley or something like that, <laughs> yeah. really now <laughs> there are, there are some places I just sometimes won't go because. I know that I'm not going to be able to find a bathroom. I mean, who amongst us hasn't needed to go to the restroom only to go into a shop and be told, oh, no, we don't have any public bathrooms. I mean, this should be a public works project everywhere. And I'm not I don't think just making saying, well, we're going to make it not illegal to pee in public is actually the right thing because if they would build the infrastructure which honestly i think could be done relatively quickly we have all sorts of facilities for this type of thing look at europe europe has these already yeah you know let's figure it out instead of just putting our heads in the sand and not ever fixing anything anymore and then for the people who do continue to do the public urination or public whatever they're doing when there are facilities available, that would be a route to get them in the system and get them help. Well said, Candace. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And and she's right. I mean, there was a big effort in London just over the last couple of years to build even more because they were I mean, there just weren't enough of them, so they just mm-hmm. did it. As she was talking and mentioned the fact that you know, if you're a woman, you're disinclined to go pee in a in an alleyway. It's it's a lot harder for you to write your name in the snow. We get it, but <laughs> uh, the the thing is. When time came 15, 20 years ago, when women started showing up in much larger numbers, like you are on Thursday, going to sporting events, going to concerts, Mm -hmm. going to things like that, what happened? Well, the potty parody thing became the big snowball. And we just did it. We went, okay, we need more women's rooms. Okay, do it. And, And it was done. So that was... 
you know, it, it, it seems like it could be that same kind of an effort. It's going to cost money, but we spend a lot of money on a lot of things. How? How do we make it that easy then? Um, because frankly, with the potty parody thing, we talk about this with like the Taylor Swift concerts. It didn't exist. You have some concerts where it's 80, 90% women, yeah. but you have, right. you know, an even number of men's and women's restrooms. I don't know what the number is, but it's, it's not 90% female. And they said, well, we're just going to use the men's rooms because it's not, it's not. E so at the very least we made it possible <laughs> for them. Yeah. So if making those kinds of concessions is, uh, it's what we have to do. Um, and she's right. I mean, I've, I've never, I've been to Seattle once and I was never, I don't think in an area where you know, she's talking about, I was there for like an afternoon, but uh, you know, in any city that you go to, there are those places that become well-known for the place that always smells like a toilet because that's what people use it for. If you want that, keep things as they are. If you don't, yeah. then something's got to change. Yes. Um, okay. With that, I want to move on to this um, story about David Ryan Harris. And the question that you asked about if you needed to prove while you were out somewhere that your kids are yours, you never think you're going to have to do it, but he needed to do it. Yeah, and, and and he had to do it because he was in an airport. Um, David Ryan Harris is African-American. His wife is white. So his kids are of mixed race and are very light-skinned. So when he was going through the airport with his kids, there was a flight attendant who noticed that. Hey, wait a minute. Those kids don't look like the guy that they're with. And had an interaction with the kids where they were kind of non-responsive. Mr. Harris said it was seven o'clock in the morning and their kids, they're always unresponsive in the morning. But somehow it came to the point where he was being questioned as to whether they actually were his kids. He was accused, well, not really accused, but, but it was all in a way to try to make sure that he wasn't human trafficking these kids. When there was no reason to think that he was other than the kids were a little groggy, and didn't look exactly like their dad in terms of skin color, but uh -huh. but it just kind of escalated from there to the point where he was in a situation where he was being asked to prove that his kids were his kids. And it just occurred to me that if, if a situation like that had happened with my kids when they were eight and five, and somebody said, you need to prove that those are your kids, I would have had no idea what to do. I'm trying to think even in an airport when you're traveling... Um, uh, forgive me, not ever traveling kit with kids, especially internationally. Yeah. Um, what ID do your kids have with them? If they're international, they have their own, their own passport. But if you're traveling with them domestically on an airplane, what ID do you carry to even prove that they are the name on the ticket that has their name on it. Right, and, and it goes a step farther than that because even ID doesn't necessarily prove anything. All it proves right. is that you have the same last name. Right. Lots of right. people are named Harris. Correct. So, wow, now I have so many questions about, again, I, I ask, are there places where this would come into play other than airports? But I'm going to stick with airports for a second. So, um, do you get an ID for your kids? Okay, so great. Now the ID has the same last name as you. That still doesn't prove that they're yours. As somebody just said, what if he was a step parent? I mean, they could have, sure. could have issues there. 
you don't carry their birth certificates with you. <laughs> no, and even those wouldn't really, sh- I mean, un- unless, like, I mean, if you're a step-parent, that does you no good at all because your name's not on their birth certificate. Somebody just asked, he didn't have pictures of his kids on his phone? Probably, but I have pictures of my friend's kids on my phone. Yeah. They're not my kids. Proves nothing. And if he were guilty of what they were, um, uh, what they were accusing him of, that if it really was a human trafficking situation, then of course you're going to take pictures of the kids and put them on your phone so that you can sell the story better. Wow, we just never think we're going to be challenged on that. No. And I get it a little bit because there's more attention being paid to human trafficking and, and we're being taught more about it and how to combat it. I just wonder if this was the right way. Well, what what's the right way to go? Given the fact that the airline has apologized to him and that yes. the flight attendant involved has apologized to him, I think they're convinced that they did the wrong thing. Uh, yes, the statement from American Airlines was, our flight attendant in question wanted to make sure you were aware they sincerely offer a heartfelt apology to you and your family for their actions and the results their actions generated. Our flight attendant realizes that their interaction and observations did not meet the criteria that human trafficking was taking place. Okay, that's what I wanna know. What's the criteria that they're given And again, if you're asked, how do you prove that it's not you? Yeah, because, I mean, his quote in this is just biting, and it's absolutely accurate. He said, it seems to me that you should have a bit more to go on, speaking of the the kid that was a little less than responsive, before you're able to call the police on somebody. He said, it's my word against her word, and she, meaning the flight attendant at that point, isn't even there. So he can't confront the person who's accusing him, and he's in a, a spot where he doesn't have anything that proves that familial relationship because who does I, I like I said if it were me and I were challenged on that with my own kids and they said no you need to prove those are your kids I would have no idea what to do uh, because anything can be faked yep you can have the birth certificate with you you can have an ID with you it doesn't mean that any of that even if it matches doesn't mean it's not a fake. And and in the entire time, from the time that my kids were born until they were 18 and out of the house, I never once carried their birth certificate with me unless we were going somewhere like registering for school where I needed it. Nobody walks around with their kid's birth certificate on them. Okay, somebody just said on the text line, I don't know what's changed. When my kids were minors, we used to have to travel with their birth certificates. That was a requirement of the airline for them to check in. We never did. I don't know if that's changed. Uh, I've never had to do it. But. Yeah. Uh, and now it's been a little while. Uh, and maybe that was a post-September 11th thing. But no, because my kids traveled by themselves after September 11th. And we didn't have to have a birth certificate. Uh, all, all they needed was us. Now, we had to show our ID to take them back to their gate when they, okay. were, when they were little. But okay. but that was good enough. We were just like, these are our kids. We're taking them. They're going to camp. We're taking them to their gate. Okay, it's right over there. You know, we need your ID, blah, blah, blah. But that was it. All right, if you have insight, 913-586-7798, how would you prove it? If you didn't have the birth certificate with you, how would you prove it? We'll take a break. We'll wrap the hour next on KMBZ. Continuing this conversation here for a minute about if you had to, how would you prove that your kids are your kids? It came up for a musician at an airport who was questioned about human trafficking with the kids that were with him. A couple of texts are coming in about um, just even if you needed to carry your birth certificate with you, your kid's birth certificate with you in an airport, I wouldn't want to carry that document with me. Yeah. 
anywhere. Yeah, and those, uh, what are they, um, what's the word for it? A certified copy, the one that's got the little mm-hmm. uh, stamp, uh, not the stamp, but the the, the Seal. Crimp. Yeah, the thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. That's got that. I mean, those things don't come cheap. Yes, you can get them, but how many of them are you going to carry around with you? And over time, I mean, you leave something in your wallet like that. And that little, uh, it, it, you know, that little mark, that seal is going to go away. It's going to get flattened out. Ever try to get another copy of your social security card? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. like that's what we're talking about. Is if you lose it, if it's stolen, somebody said, "Don't put it in your check bag. Don't you never put that stuff in your check baggage ever." Yeah, because we know where that can end up. Yeah, ever try to get a new one? Sure. Good luck. And, and, you know, my wife reminded me uh, during the break, she texted me and said, yeah, keep in mind that when we first got married, you, meaning me, could have easily been driving around in a car with four kids who had three different last names. Yeah, explain that one to the cops. (laughs) You know? Okay, sure. They were all our kids. Again, and just because they're not your kids doesn't mean they're not, that, that they're being trafficked. I've had my friend's kids with me in the car. Yeah. Plenty of times. I've traveled with them. I've flown with them. They're not mine, but I'm not. I didn't kidnap them. Yeah. And the racial component to this notwithstanding. I mean, the fact that, oh, those kids are way lighter skinned than you are. They must not be yours. Well, time out there. (laughs) Let's, (laughs) Let's back off of that one for just a second, because that's not exactly true either. Yes. All right. Thanks to everybody for getting here. Uh, Let's go to Isla Mirada. Florida for a moment. It's one of my favorite places to go dive. Uh, There is a very old lighthouse in the Florida Keys that has been off for a really long time that's about to go back on. They just, yeah, uh, in fact, they just illuminated it a little while ago, temporarily. I mean, it's it's not a permanent fixture anymore, but this thing is 150 years old. And when it was built, it was functional. I mean, it wasn't built as a decoration, but that's kind of what it's become over time because now we have charts and navigable waterways and things like that. So Isla Mirada is in the Keys. Uh, it is one of the Keys. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they, they thought, okay, well, that's kind of a cool old thing. It hasn't been on for a while, but why don't we see if we can spiff it up a little bit? And it would be kind of a nice fixture. Isla Mirada is very, very touristy, very yeah. touristy, but also very kind of upscale. So they thought, wouldn't that be cool to rehab this thing and bring it back to its former glory and have it in use, not as a real lighthouse anymore because we don't need that, but at least have the light on because it just adds to the ambience of the place. And it, 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 I mean, $6 million they've dumped into this thing already. Mm-hmm. The Alligator Reef Lighthouse, which I just think is a cool name. It is. Was lit in 1873 and stayed lit until 2013. And it's been dark ever since. Um, and now it is uh, it is on again. They said it's named after the USS Alligator, which ran up on the reef in 1822 and sank. Um, yeah, they said now, of course, you don't need lighthouses anymore because we have the navigation that doesn't make. I want to know where the money came from. Where did the $6 million come from to fix it? I believe private? I believe it was privately raised. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't swear to it, but yeah, we'll, we'll look into that and see if we can find out. But I believe it was, uh, you know, private donations and fundraisers and things like that. The other thing about that, that particular lighthouse is it's really cool looking. It doesn't, I mean, we, we think of lighthouses being the big cylindrical, you know, brick thing that's kind of narrower at the top with the light on the top. This is is much more ornate than that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just it doesn't look like other lighthouses. I can't really describe it, but it, um, it's got a unique look. So I kind of understand it on that level. 
And there are tourists that, I mean, there's a, a big famous lighthouse in St. Augustine that my wife has a great story about. And, uh, and all the ones along the Outer Banks in North Carolina, I mean, they look cool. But does dumping a bunch of money into something like that that is never going to be functional and, and useful again, does it make sense to do that just because it's old and cool? Oh, boy, that's a whole hour for another day about whether we <laughs> spend the money to restore things just because they're neat yeah, and, and historic. Do at some point you just stop putting the money into them and just let them be a part of history. Yeah. Instead of bringing them back, because we're never going to need lighthouses again. But they're but they're cool and they're being renovated into like Airbnbs now, and you can go in houses and you can go live in them. And I like it when they find new life like that. That's cool. It is neat looking. Yeah, so, go check it out. Yes. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up uh, in the next hour here, today's category of why the law stinks. You have a woman who earned a $70,000 settlement in a criminal case. We'll get to why she can't get the money. Coming up next on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 